listening to the Mouthful of Graffiti podcast, affectionately known as The Mog, an open forum and promotional outlet for budding artists and creatives from all across the Mid-Atlantic region. I'm your host, Brad Cox, not necessarily affectionately known as anything other than Brad Cox, but I'm here all the same. Let's see who and what we're chewing on today on The Mog. Friends, East Coastians, and country men and women of all ages, welcome to the Mog. As always, links for our guests will be made available in the description, and a song or some type of promotional feature will be tacked on to the end of each episode. We'd like to thank all of our sponsors, Vagabond Sandwich Company, Capricost Books, Musicland, Black Eyed Susie's, Double Groove Brewing, Baltimore Decal Gal, and Reb Records. Remember to love local, support local, and to eat and drink local. Don't forget to use discount code Mog. Pod for a 10% discount at Capricost Books. Everyone knows you can't stop by Main Street Bel Air without grabbing one of Black Eyed Susie's legendary orange crushes and a killer lunch or dinner. Black Eyed Susie's has been supporting local for a long time. It's your one-stop spot for original and cover entertainment and an afternoon or evening out with friends on their rooftop deck. If you haven't heard, there's something very special about Double Groove Brewing. It's a melting pot of personalities, ages, loves, interests, and musical tastes. There are hippies, professionals, rockers, folk artists, friends and families here. Throw in the most delicious and satisfying craft beer on the planet and this place is complete magic. They are tireless supporters of the local talent. Stop by their location in Forest Hill for a pint and a night out with friends. This just in, Get the Let Out, a celebration of the Mighty Zephyr coming to the APG FCU Arena on April 29th at 7.30 p.m. For tickets, visit APGFCUarena.com. The Golden Dragon Acrobats are returning to the Amos Center on March 20th at 3 p.m. This unique Cirque Spectacular showcases traditional Chinese acrobats who dazzle with amazing feats of athleticism. For tickets, go to tickets.harford.edu. Also just announced, the Red Hot Chili Pipers are coming to the APG FCU Arena on March 8th at 7.30 p.m. The band's achievements have reached incredible heights with their groundbreaking fusion of traditional Scottish music and rock pop anthems, which they proudly call Bag Rock. Tickets are available at apgfcuarena.com. Josh Matthew is a prolific and unique creative powerhouse who is best known for his time with Baltimore's own McGosh, but more recently his genre-defying group Pink Elephants with Finch Floors. He's a master lyricist, a truly gifted vocalist, and a visual artist for the modern age. I've been following Josh's work for a lot of years, and I'm absolutely blown away by his passion and drive toward creativity. Josh isn't just his paintings, he's the canvas too. A living, breathing definition of what it is to be an artist and live a life on stage. I couldn't be happier that he's here. Join me in welcoming Josh Matthew to the Mog. That was that was a great intro. <laughs> what? I'm like blushing over here. <laughs> oh, man. Well, it's all true. Let me read these uh, talking points real quick, and then we'll okay. get right into it. Transcendent Events, which is Kevin Hawk and Holly Hawk, is bringing Carbon Stone, Silver Tongue, Lock of Me, Black Star Zero, and Flight Away to the Baltimore Soundstage on March 19th. And just announced, Rapola Entertainment is bringing King of the Wild Things, Keep Flying, Bendahan, and Flight Club to Zen West on March 31st. So, Josh, where where do I begin with you? 
I, I don't know. Hey, man, you've done your research. <laughs> the last time we spoke, I think, was the Rock the Cruise event with Matt Davis, where they sent us out like into the middle of the Chesapeake Bay to serenade the sea life or whatever's out there. What a cool show, man. That was the first time I think I've ever actually talked to you, though. In person. Poss- We've played a bunch of shows together, though. You were in uh, We Love the Underground, correct? Yes. We've done shows with We Love the Underground, and we've done shows with Schizo Calypso. Oh, you did? Yeah. So what was definitely. the band prior to Magosh? Because Tony when was When Gotham me- Falls. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And we were on that EP together. Charm City Sampler? Yes. And I remember, you know how you had to do that end? It was kind of like an outro to the album. Yes. And, and, yes. and we had to narrate basically something. Yes. The only reason I remember- you, I do remember you that. being on it is because like when I wrote my skit, I was just thinking oh, no. to myself, I'm like, I'm trying to remember what I said now. This is so funny. Like, I'm like, no one's going to top this. Right. Oh no. And, uh, and then I heard yours and I'm like, man, that was really good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have actually here a big poster from the, what? I kept it because of David West and Gregory's artwork. But it was actually one of my favorite shows. That is really good artwork. It is. Wait, who did that? I think it's David Weston Gregory from, what was his band called? Knightsbridge? That's really good. Yeah. It was such a different show. It was one of my favorites. But with Magosh. I got to see this thing. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, man. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. He did a good job on that. There's been a lot of shows and a lot of posters, but that's one that I kept for some reason. So You know, I did try and look. I did find some old When Gotham Falls tickets, stubs, and stuff like that. And I think there – I'm pretty sure there was a Schizo Calypso show. We, you've played Sonar, correct? Yeah, we did. I, I'm pretty sure we played it with you. Was it the Sick Puppies gig or was Ye- it – Oh, there was no. One, they typically threw us in that back room where yes, like it the was definitely punk the, and metal bands were thrown back there. It was definitely that room. Okay. Was it with Nikki Barr? I can't remember, to be honest with you. I feel like it might have been. You, you know, it's it's funny because, like, for some reason, I don't remember, like, a lot of the headliners. Like, when I was going through the ticket stubs, like, meanwhile, I'm looking for We, we Love the Underground. I'm looking for Schizo Calypso because I know that we've played with you guys a bunch of times. Yeah. And I'm just, like, looking through them. And I'm like, oh, man. And, I, and I'm glancing up at the headliners and I'm seeing, like, Jimmy's Chicken Shack charm city devils and i'm just like i don't even remember playing with them right isn't that weird (laughs) i remember playing with you know bands like we love the underground and stuff like that because like that was a good time in life man yeah it it just was like there was a scene you know there was and it was just cool it it was it was really and i feel like i kind of feel sorry these days because like i wonder I think to myself like the 20 year old me that's out there right now right like is 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 he experiencing that you I know? know i don't know either now like, there does seem to be a bit of a scene going on right now there's there's bands like um vendetta and heartbent these younger guys okay. and gals that are kind of going out there doing it and i think that there probably is i'm just not dialed into it right and if it weren't for the show i wouldn't be so yeah, yeah. but Magash had a lot of success you guys went on tour you played yeah. the we, warp tour right yeah we did we did warp tour we did south by southwest south by so what um we actually did the south by south, south by so what what is that Oh, you don't know what South by So What is? Or is that just like another name for it? Or is it something totally different? Bruh. Okay, tell me about it. South by So What (laughs) was so dope. All right. South by So What is a parody event to South by Southwest, okay? Mm. It's in, um, I want to say it was in Fort Worth, which is close to Dallas. And uh, because, so yeah, we played South by So What first, and then we drove to South by Southwest, which I believe was in Austin. And um, 
South by So What is basically like an HF festival event. It's in a huge like baseball or football stadium with big stages everywhere. And it, it, it was just packed with amazing bands. And um, I remember we actually had a decent slot. We played around like four or five, which was pretty good. Yeah. Um, because uh, every band after us were like top tier bands, you know, like Bring Me the Horizon. Um, I mean, so many. So many. Attila played it. Um, Let Live played. Um, I can't even think of them all. But it, it was it was really cool. Um. Then, uh, so, so yeah, it's like a one-off show, but you know, it's usually held before South, South by Southwest. Southwest. Yeah. South by Southwest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was just really cool. So, yep. That was one we played. Um, what else? Yeah. We played a few dates on warp tour. Um, the last warp tour, which I was like, phew, I was trying so long. And to you get weren't just doing tour. one-off dates. You were actually uh, doing like. Like the tour, right? No, no, no. We we were doing one offs. Okay, but, okay. But it, it it was during because it was the last year of Warp Tour. Yeah, they were basically giving a lot of ba- like all right. So there were a lot of bands that had never made it to Warp Tour uh-huh. that were still in that scene that should have been. Yeah. And Kevin Lyman acknowledged that. Like, I actually spent a day with Kevin Lyman, drinking, hanging out with him. And he was really cool. He was a huge fan of Migosh. And um, he acknowledged it. But he was like, you know, he's like, look, it's it's not just me. Yeah. Like, there's other people involved. Like, I just can't put you guys. Managers and contracts. And- yeah, there's yeah. all kinds of stuff that, you know, behind the scenes stuff that you can't make happen. Well. It was the last year of Warp Tour, and Kevin was just like, screw it. Like, he put on all the bands that he felt like deserved it, and uh, he gave us a couple dates, and, and I, was awesome, happy. I was happy with it, you know? I was like, cool. But you guys also did uh, regular touring as well. Oh, yeah, we, we did. You were doing, like, the couch tours where you would, like, do the acoustic setup, and which I mean, you had to have some uh, killer stories from that. Oh, bro. I, wa- I want to hear at least one. Okay. Somewhat PG-13 uh, if we can. <laughs> so... Um, boy, do I have, do I, I have I know, a story I know you do. for you. And I tell people this all the time. I think I have the best tour story. Okay, good. Um, Better than 80s hair bands tour stories. Right. Anyways, but all right, it actually wasn't a couch tour, though. Um, And we'll get into what the couch tour is. But let me tell okay. this tour story. So it was a month-long tour with Alisana. It was during their 10-year anniversary tour, so it was the whole U.S. It was over a month long. We get to New Mexico. It was our first time in New Mexico. And um, we didn't know anybody there. Yeah. And we needed a place to stay. We, we would usually, since we were used to the couch tours, yeah, yeah. we had no problem staying at people's houses. And um, we were like, man, we don't even know anybody in New Mexico. Like, right. well, do we have any fans here? Like, we would put out posts and, and just hoping someone says, hey, I'm a huge fan and I live in New Mexico. Come stay at my house. And we're waiting, and we get a response, uh, actually a message, from our drummer's brother, John John's brother. John John says, oh, my dad's best friend lives in New Mexico. I grew up with this guy. His name's Paul. And we're like, oh, great. Well, what Paul is saying, he's like, I know it. Let me hit him up. My brother gave me his number. So we hit him up. And Paul says, yes, I would love you guys to come stay. And we had two days off, so we really needed a place. Yeah. Uh, he says, uh, so, yeah, come on. 
come on down. I got spare rooms, spare beds. Seemed like a really cool guy. And he says, but before you come here, um, just address me as, what did he say his name was? And this is where it's about to get weird, right? (laughs) Oh, yeah. This is red flag one. I'm picturing you going to like one of those like uh, Fallout shelters in Terminator 2 where it's like you get to like the camper right? and there's like an underground facility full of like guns. and I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I don't know if this was exactly his name. It was something along these lines. But he was like, call me Felix. Okay. And we're like, uh, uh, right, okay. Felix. And um, he's like, oh, it's long story. I'll tell you when you get here. So anyways, we're almost there. And um, we're, you know, that red flag made us ask John John. And we're like, tell us more about this guy. And he goes, well, um, he was my dad's best friend in Germany. And we're like, hold up. In Germany, your dad, because John John was born in Germany. Okay. Because his dad was in the military. All right. John John, that, hasn't, John John hasn't lived in Germany since he was six years old. <laughs> John John was 35 at this point. Right. Okay. And we're like, John John. What do you mean years. he was your dad's best friend in Germany? Meaning you don't know this guy. Right, right. That like he was your dad's military friend. Your dad was what, in his 20s then or some crap? Right. Like, dude, you do not know this guy. And he goes, well, I guess not. But my dad liked him at that time. So <laughs> 29 years ago, right. he seemed all right. And, and, and we're just like, oh, my God. Do you even remember this guy's face, voice, anything? Right. Anyhow. We were like, whatever. Let's it's roll a place. up on Felix and it's see what's place. going on. Yep. We get there. There's a headstone in his front yard. Now, New Mexico, there's no grass. Okay. It's just dirt. Yeah, it's the uh, Badlands. Yeah. yeah. There's a headstone in his front yard. Okay, maybe a pet. And we're like, what's this? And he goes, uh, my, de- <laughs> my dead mom. Um, uh, police think I killed her. It's a, it's all a big misunderstanding. It's no big deal. But anyways, come on in. And we're like, that's your introduction, Felix. That was his introduction, okay? <laughs> and we're just like, oh, hold up, bro. Is this guy messing with us? Is yeah, he messing yeah. with us right, right now? Is it your dog or this guy's screwing with us, right? Well, anyways, oh man, this is about to blow your freaking mind. We get in, and um, no, because we've definitely, I think we've told this story on interviews before too. Okay, it's just too good. So we get in, and um, we're looking around. There's one thing. Uh, he introduces us to his son. Now, I can't say this on here because it was just put it this way. It was very inappropriate the way he addressed his own son. Um, We'll leave it at that. But his son ended up being a fan, which was cool. Uh, We were just like, okay, this guy's got a few screws loose, but whatever. Um, He's still really nice. (laughs) We're looking around and we're like calling where we're sleeping. You know, we get in. We're like, I got I got that couch. Well, one of us said, I call couch. And Felix says, no, 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 no. You don't want that couch. And we're like, what do you mean? And there's a, like a knitted quilt covering the couch. And we're like, what do you mean? And he's like, so I do this thing where I try and bring home as many women as possible randomly. And we're like, okay. And he says, um, well, one time I brought, there's an Indian reservation right up the street. And I brought home this Indian woman from the bar. and." I woke up and uh, she shot herself in the head. Oh, God. And and we're like, what does that have to do with the couch? And he says, well, you see that bullet hole? And there was a bullet hole in the wall. Oh, my God, man. And he removes the blanket and there's blood all over this couch. And he he hadn't cleaned it up. 
And we're sitting there. Sta- bro. Did the cops think you killed her too? We're standing there staring. Yeah, my mind is blown. At this bloody couch, looking at it. And he goes, bro, this is how he broke the silence. He went, I should probably get rid of this. I got a homemade flamethrower. Want to help me? And we all went, absolutely. <laughs> bro, we drug this couch so out. So here's the T2 part of the story. Yeah, we yeah. brought this couch out in his backyard, and he had a flamethrower, backpack and all, and we're each taking turns burning probably potential murder evidence. I mean, I don't know. It was crazy. I don't even know why I did all this research. You got good stories, man. We could just stay on that story probably for 20, 30 minutes. That's a good one, man. <laughs> Another long story short, the next day, uh, I guess he wanted to make sure we kept our mouth shut. He bought us a spread of food, man. He had like this barn. And in the barn, That's like, cool. he, he bought us, it must have been like $400 worth of like snacks and food. And when you're on tour, man, there's nothing. Screw money. Like, this is like a, a story for Emilio, man. <laughs> telling you man mm. well he had a horse next door <laughs> this is day two i'll be inserting the horse sound effect right there <laughs> and uh we said oh man that horse can we ride it and he said absolutely my neighbors went to hawaii and i'm watching the horse um so if you guys want to ride it go ahead and we're like it's been ridden and he says oh yeah yeah and uh we're like there's no saddle on it he's like you'll be fine it's a good horse <laughs> so finch gets what does that even mean right now. uh but we didn't care at the time we're just like we're gonna ride a horse finch right. gets naked and he's like man i'm i'm gonna wear a pork pie hat smoke a blunt and ride this horse naked so he did while well, the horse bucks finch off buck naked and um oh no and uh Finch flies off of this horse and <laughs> and he's naked and he's he runs back and we're dying laughing and then we look over and Felix is like crying laughing and we're like why are you laughing so hard and he goes I don't know my neighbors I no one's even ridden that horse <laughs> and we're like are you kidding me that's amazing like so that's pretty much the whole story of Paul slash Felix so what was it just time that kind of took the band apart eventually or. <sighs> You know, because um, you guys were really, really doing well. There's actually unreleased Migosh stuff, and it's banging, man. Yeah. It's so good. All of it was, man. Oh, bro, the the newer stuff, the unreleased stuff, incredible. And um, we went with this guy named Kyle Odell and Josh Landry. Josh Landry is actually TikTok famous now. He's he's got his own music project now, mm. and, he, and he's doing really well. But they were producing it. We were down in North Carolina. And um, we were actually bouncing from producer to producer. We actually went in with um, Joel Hamilton, who did uh, Black Keys. And he, he was in New York. We had to go to New York. And um, yeah, he did Black Keys. And um, what was that band that did um, My Name is Human? Oh, it's uh, Highly Suspect. Highly Suspect. He did yeah. them as well. Man, talk about an amazing studio. This studio, bro, it would blow your mind. For one, it was the same studio Sesame Street records in. Okay. So, so there was random Sesame Street like material lying around. Why I didn't keep any of it is You know what I'm maybe. thinking right now, right? What? Is this where Emilio comes from? No, no. Okay. No. Just, it seemed uh, like a connection there. No, but Joel Hamilton's studio was so banging. Like, for one, he had like each of us, each singer, had a guy like assigned to them and we would take a drink of water and this guy would fill it back up 
and it huh. was just like five star treatment. That's like Rolling Stones treatment. Oh my god, yeah. it was insane. Well, then I found out how much the label paid for two songs. But anyways, we were so excited recording with this Emmy nominated, you know, producer, yeah, engineer. We got the mix back. It was horrible. Really, it was the worst mix we've ever got back. It was so depressing. Like, oh, that sucks. there was put it this way: there was no salvaging it. Like, there was no even there was no mix notes. We heard it. Jeff, our entertainment lawyer, he he, he was very depressed. Uh, he just put out all this money. Yeah, that doesn't even make sense. But so, could you get the tracks back and maybe give it to like a Tony or a Drew or somebody and clean this up for us and? possible but you know it it just wasn't worth it but we ended up going with kyle it was like a last ditch effort we went with kyle and and i am getting to a point here this is where we did the transition from me gosh to pink elephants at the time we were like really grinding we finch and i especially we were kind of like look if you're not going to be here like every day like we're, we're we're putting everything into this we're getting older you mean like uh, as a band member yes okay like literally Let's write you do. every day. Yeah. Let's live together. Let's do this. Yeah. Our our drummer, Mike, the reason why uh, what, what led to his downfall was he really liked Joel Hamilton's mix, which was a red flag. Um, what do you mean? Uh, Have you but, heard it? <laughs> <laughs> well, the drums didn't sound bad, but everything else. Yeah, you know, drummers are like, mm. they only they only care about their drums. Right, right. I, I get mixes back and Gary's always like, you know, the drums could come up a little bit. I was like, yeah, I know, man. So we go with... Kyle and um, it's a full band. We've recorded a couple songs, and like I said, they're bangers. Drums, our drummer, he was very upset because he didn't have to play a lick of drums. Kyle programmed it all. Oh, and it sounded incredible. So we didn't even need the drummer. Right. So our drummer was mad because he didn't get to play drums. Right. <clears throat> Another reason, probably, why he went Joel's because he got yeah, to play drums. I, I get it. Yeah. Well, Kyle and uh, Landry sit us down the very next day. After we record with him once, and he says, "Um, they say, hey, you guys are really good. Um, and we're like, okay. And they're like, we just want to know, what, what's your guys' hopes like for this band? And we're like, what do you mean? And they're like, because like, the genre you're in right now, you're kind of like, you're, what's, your, what's your highest goal? Dance, Gavin, dance? That's the biggest band in your genre right mm-hmm. now. And Dance Gavin Dance is touring in a van. Right. You guys have the potential to imagine dragons. He was like, so do you want to tour in a van the rest of your life? Or do you want to tour in jets? Because mm. you guys can dance Gavin Dance if you want. But you guys could totally imagine dragons. Yeah. And they're like, so what do you guys want to do? And we're like, I think we can imagine dragons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm imagining some dragons. Because right I now. remember back in 2019 when you guys released that track, Maryland. And, and you put up a post and, you, and your Magosh fans were, were not having it. Oh, my it. God. They were mad. But at the same time, I've experienced that in my creative life. And I'm like, yeah, but it's really good. And you had a really good new direction to go in. Yeah. And things like uh, 19 Mexico. Yeah, how's it going? Dude. Those songs are fantastic. I think my favorite one is "It's a Blame on Me." Mm-hmm. These are great songs. I, I edited all those music videos too. That's the other thing that that I that I've been doing recently. My my wife's a she's a <clears throat> painter. She paints uh, people's 
passed away dogs wow. or cats. Uh, but that's what she does. And she's like, he is such a visual artist as much as, uh, you know, obviously musician and, and all that. You've got like all of this talent, man. It's insane. Like I said to you earlier, it's just ambition. And you got it too, man. Yeah, the ambition doesn't go away. But I mean, you were putting out TikToks almost daily with raps yeah. that were better than Eminem's current raps. I mean, <laughs> whatever vein you decided to tap, you were doing it really, really well. Well. And visually. Yeah. Yeah. Some of that was really good. I I really liked, um, like there was a couple in there, like um, the Dear Mom was a really good one. That was the one that's like, hello, mom. How proud are you of the things I've done? Am I still your son? And when Jesus comes, what have I become? What you hoped I was? And am I enough? Son, you bad, embarrassing. Did my parents just apparently doesn't lift up the rug? Did you once think give up? Was it always love? Hold my image up on a track sheet. Don't quite feel like it's white privilege when you the black sheep. Take a backseat. Dude. But- um yeah and, and you don't forget it Nah, well s some stuff I i'm pretty good at remembering lyrics but yes i'm too finch is the Unless exact opposite if, if i'm live I, I, I that happens that's different yeah that happens. you get nervous yeah but, but um, anyway was that whole like transition there unsettling like was there a kind of a fear like man are we are we destroying this this fan base or was it, were you getting enough people on the other side that you're like i don't care panic automatic is our biggest song at the moment that song just two days ago or something hit a million streams on on spotify which is dope yes um it consistently to this day every day panic gets more and more listeners and it came out a year ago i think like yesterday we had five thousand listens just yesterday yeah um and it's it's every you're day cracking it's, the code man it's it's growing every day yeah now i mean we also went live we we, we did a almost a year and a half, two years of going live every single night. I know. You know? I watched it. Every night, you know? And There's been three bands throughout my musical life that have kind of stopped me in my tracks. It was Lennox, mm -hmm. Hailstorm, mm -hmm. and Magash. Oh, man. Yeah. And it was just like that moment where you're watching a band like, well, guys, looks like we got some work to do. You right. know what I mean? Like you... There's like that level up. But otherwise, the bands are kind of your peers. Sure. Every once in a while, there is that band. Dreamboat Armada did that for me. Did they? Oh, man. They blew me away. I was like so envious of them. I was just like, man, their harmonies are on point. Uh, it just, they, they were one of those bands that made me, you know, like you said, it, it did that kind of like, we got work to do. It reminds me of, um, there was a, a movie with one of my favorite actors is Michael Shannon. Okay. You know who I'm talking about? I don't. You will. Uh, have you seen Boardwalk Empire? I have not. Oh, my God. What? I, I, I haven't. Well, I'm going to write it down. Boardwalk Empire. You need to go watch the first two seasons. All right. Oh, it's a series. Okay. It's on HBO. Okay. You well, I don't have HBO. <sighs> All right. But, but that's okay. We can when you get it, eventually. <laughs> I haven't seen Breaking Bad either. Breaking Bad's incredible, too. But I'm telling you, the, the first two seasons of Boardwalk, as, as a writer, okay, it's in the 20s. You, you want to watch Got to see it. All right. You got to see it. Have you seen the movie Bug? I have not seen Bug. Oh, man, you're killing me. Um, I, I'm sure if I uh, saw him, I'm much better with faces. I'm just not good with names. He was in The Shape of Water. I think I've seen that. He was in Man of Steel. Okay. He was in Waco, that little mini series. Was he the, Was he David Crash? No, he was. So I somehow connected with David Thibodeau, who was in that fire. This is him. Do you recognize him? I do not recognize him. Bro. Okay, I'm he sorry. He is one of the I, best I'm not, I don't actors. want to lie to you. I just I don't recognize him. All right. So he, he did a movie with um, 
Leonardo DiCaprio, and and who's the the girl who was in Titanic with him? I can't think of her name. Oh my god, that's gonna drive me crazy. Um, I I want to say Celine Dion, but that's the song, so yeah, that's um, not her. Kate, Kate Winslet. Okay, I do okay. know Kate Winslet. It was Kate Winslet, Leonardo DiCaprio? They were in another movie together, and um, there was a scene with Michael Shannon where he just breaks down. He he plays a really good psychotic person. Okay, okay, he's, he's so intense. Um, and he just breaks down and Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet are watching his scene live. They're watching him do this. Okay. And Kate Winslet leans behind, she's, she's sitting behind Leo and she leans up, she grabs his shoulder and she says, you and I got some work to do because he is so intense. Right. And Leonardo DiCaprio is one of the, the, the best thespians of our age, right. you know, and, and here you have someone. You know, who, uh, Kate Winslet, who's a girl, also an amazing act- actress, lean over into Leo's ear and saying, "We got work to do. Yeah. Like, we better catch up." Big Be- with this guy. I just got an Oscar. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. With this guy who you didn't even know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like so. He's just an incredible actor. Well, before we go too much into Pink Elephants, I do have a fun question portion. Who is your favorite Muppet from the Muppet Show? Gonzo. When I thought of this question, I thought of Gonzo, but then I decided, no, it's Rizzo the Rat. Oh, he's yeah. like the Joe Pesci of rats. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's he's a good, good one. one. Um, now, would Emilio be jealous? You know, I mean, Emilio, you know Emilio better than anyone. Emilio and I, we we have this. Can we kind hear Emilio of... real quick? Oh, geez, um, <laughs> on the spot, he might be mad. Uh... <laughs> I Hello, I am Emilio. Yeah, there he is. All right, so that's Emilio, and uh, Emilio. Uh, him and I have this like litigious relationship. We, we, we kind of bicker a lot, but um, I don't know. Uh, actually, I just filmed another episode the other day. You should be a guest on it. I would love to be a guest uh, on it. Um, so my plan is I have the season written, the script's already written, but um, the goal is is to have a different host every episode. I have the script already written, so it. I'm I'm not. Joking with you, it only take it would take you ten minutes. That's it. Really? That's it. Because, I'm game. because you're only filming the intros. Yeah. Some slight interactions. Do I just go to your place and there's yeah, a green screen? You go to our studio. I'm yeah. assuming a green screen. Yeah. Yeah. It's a green screen and we got the camera with the teleprompter. It's it's that easy. I, I'm I'm definitely in, man. That'd be fantastic. Totally do it. All right. So you collect comics and comic memorabilia. Yep. Where did that level of fanship kind of start or where did that come from? We had a kind of a theory pre-podcast, but. I mean, that that's a really great theory. My house was flooded when I was 15, 16 and I lost everything. Yeah. And um, at that point in time, I was only collecting baseball cards. But, um, you know, I, I, yeah, I mean, I lost everything. You, you may be right. You may be onto something. I, I mean, that's quite possible. Maybe I, I've developed this urge to collect because I've lost so much when I was younger. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a good theory. And you create a lot, too. I see a lot of the paintings that you're doing. Modern heroes. You know, we talked about comic book heroes or comic books in general, but who are the heroes now? There was a time where it was like, oh, it's the rock stars and the models and the actors or actresses, but that's not really the way it uh, is in 2022. Definitely not. No, the, the anti-hero is what's popular yeah. now, you know. Like anonymous or things like that. Right. Yeah, the, the underdog, the, the person who's who's overthrowing the system. I'm, I'm all for that. I just don't know. Like, well, who do kids look up to these days? I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, de- definitely rock stars are done. 
Oh, yeah, that's... It's almost absurd. When you look back at it, it's like, I don't even like it anymore. Sure. It's, yeah. it's nostalgic, but it's not like, that's not what really excites me. No, yeah. I'm not even sure what does it. I think the last record that I really liked was actually the Glorious Sons album. Huh. Good songwriters. So from the 80s, Nerds, Runts, or Zots. Do you remember the Big League Chew pouch of Zots where it's just the powder, the sour powder? You would just pour it in your mouth. Yeah, I, I remember it vaguely. You know, honestly, I, I was definitely a nerds guy. Were you a nerds guy? Yeah. I so like you, nerds. I still like nerds. <laughs> sugary candy or chocolatey candy? Oh, sugary, definitely. Okay, so here's one from uh, Gary Holmes, the drummer from Schizo. You're big into horror. Is oh, yeah. Jason Voorhees, is he a zombie? You know, um, I wouldn't say he's zombie, but... He's a bit of an undead, in he, a sense. He's definitely... Un, uh, he, he has something driving him that is more powerful than death. Okay. You know, he has, it's kind of, it's kind of romantic in a sense. I mean, he, you got this guy who's just, he he cares about nothing, but you know, what he cares about and what he cares about is mom, mama's boy. And, uh, he, uh, he has that revenge or, you know, that, that just kind of drives him. I, I don't know. It's, he's definitely supernatural. Okay. I wanted to get into your background because one of the things that I noticed, uh, the leveling up quality to Magash was your voice. And I want to know where that came from. Are we going back to like elementary school, middle school? Where did that voice come from? And the melodic sensibility. It's not just that you can sing. You also have a really good melodic sensibility. I love all music. So I listen to everything. I listen to everything from like Motown to classical to rap death metal you know i listen to everything so i think i just had i I think i've just been influenced by various sounds and um i just but were you like in chorus and choir and those types of things or yes but i didn't really pay attention you know i remember what got me into music so there was this guy named dan okay in my school and he was he, he wasn't popular and um he was very quiet and he was a huge West Borland fan. And I and 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 I I was into Limp Bizkit, I was into corn and all that, but yeah. like, but I I didn't play music. Well, he brought his guitar into chorus class. Our teacher allowed him to do that. Yeah. And he started playing Sweet Dreams by Marilyn Manson on the guitar. And I went, Wow, man, that's awesome. I love <laughs> that song. And he goes, Oh, well, it's really easy to play it. And he showed me it. And I learned it right then and there. And uh, I had never played guitar before. But it was an, it's an easy song anyway. But, but still, to me, I was able to play something right then and there. I was like, I got to get a guitar. My uncle, he's a really, really great guitarist. And um, he gave me his guitar because he found out I was in- interested. So he gave me his guitar. And I just kept playing Sweet Dreams. And then eventually I moved on to like Green Day. And I just kept playing, playing, playing. And eventually I got somewhat good, you know? Yeah. And uh, that that's kind of what got me into music, I guess. So. But you didn't play any like tubas or saxophones? Trombone. Okay. That's going to give you support with your breathing and things like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. I'm, I'm just trying to kind of piece it together a little bit because <laughs> the next question is kind of about like if talent is innate. Okay. And if it is innate. If it's from birth. Okay. Where's it coming from? Your theory could be anything. It could be past lives. It could be something like spiritually, divinely given to you, Man. or like you see, like the, the child prodigy that sits down and he he's three or four years old and he can play Beethoven. Right? There's not enough time in his life right. to have 
develop that. Right. So where's it coming from? I still, I get what you're saying. I still want to say it is nurture. Okay. They're just starting that early. But I think the nurture happens before we even realize. Okay. It could happen in the womb. Okay. You know, it could happen, like you said, from a previous life. I I, I think it's, it, it could happen from dreams. I'm not sure, but I, I, I still think it has something to do with how that individual is built and how they, because you can, you could be a prodigy in music or you could be a prodigy in chess. You could be, you <laughs> I could, am not, but I do love it. You could be a prodigy in a- anything. Yeah. So what makes them go to the music instead of the chess or instead of being a mathematician or, you know what I mean? Right. So I think there's some, something, the nurture side leads them to it, I guess I should say. Mm-hmm. And yeah, maybe there is something in their genes. Maybe there's the nature side of it too. It's probably both, you know, you have the nurture side that leads them to it, but you have the nature side that, that it's, it's going to be there no matter what. You right. know? It's hard to say. I don't know. I'm definitely not proud of you. I'll well, tell you that. Well, do you feel like your talents are in writing? I, I found over time that it was really the writing. Yeah. The ability to like Def- the convey an emotion through lyrics and that kind of thing. Definitely. So where do you think that your strongest suit is? Definitely in songwriting. Okay. Definitely songwriting. Actually, Finch and I, we um we have a backup plan. Uh, our backup plan is to be songwriters. And and we do have some contacts that we've been sitting on. Pretty decent, pretty decent contacts, actually. That um, are pretty much just waiting on us to to say okay, we're ready to be songwriters, and um, the person uh, that that we have the contact with, I mean, he's written for Selena Gomez. Oh wow! Um, tons of people. So I, I mean, we we definitely got a really good connection. That really, we're kind of stupid for not jumping into it now, but we we still we're holding on to that dream, man. We're holding on to. You guys are an incredible partnership. Yeah. You you two together. I mean, you're both incredibly talented. We're both driven for sure. Yeah. We we both really put our all into it. And uh we pick up each other's slack too. There's definitely times where where I'm just like, man, I'm just not feeling it. And and he takes the workload. This is going to sound like the same question, but like creatively speaking, I was asked this uh, on somebody else's podcast of myself, and they, they were like, well, where does all this creativity come from? I'm kind of curious to see what your answer is. And I'm not talking about like, you know, like past lives or anything like that. I'm talking about like the current creativity that you have, because you've you got the faucet on at all times. Yeah. Yeah, definitely got the faucet on. And I want to see if your answer is somewhat like my answer <sighs> was, because I never really thought about it. I haven't really either. Um, My feeling was that it's because I started writing music in 10th grade. Okay. And that it's just compounded over the years. It's like one like one connection or there's like a toolbox of ideas. And that toolbox just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. That's so with the faucet's always on, it's like this song is going to lead to this song. Or maybe a song I wrote 20 years ago is leading to this song I'm about to write. Well, yeah, it's a really good point because if the faucet's always one, you can never fill the bucket because there's just so much. Right. Like the bucket just keeps getting bigger, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's a really good point. Um, yeah, I would say it, it, that's 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 true. Um, also, there's, you know, you constantly keep learning. There's new things to do. Like, yeah. like, and I guess that still kind of goes along with it. But you, you know how like when you, you work a job and. And like when I was a firefighter, people, you know, they, they would say it's, it's a great job because, you know, there you'll, you'll never have the same day. Yeah. Every day is different, you know? 
Uh, like you never know what you're going to get with that job. And same thing with music. You have no idea what you're going to, what's going to come out of you, you know? Right. So it's cool, man. It's cool to, it be, is. to be able to create something. You, you're creating. From nothing. Yeah. You're creating something with, with the information that's in your mind. You're taking the non-physical and making it physical. Right. It's cool. It's cool as hell. And it's just like writing. Yeah. I'm looking at the books. It's like that. It just was an idea. That Which, is now turned. Is your, into, is your book up there? It is. Which one is it? The, the oh, one, all three of them. I was pointing to the one right here. I'll, I'll show it to you in a second. Okay. It's weird. It's like it was just a thought. Yeah. First, it was like I want to see if I can do this. That was like the impetus for it. Like I have a journalism degree. I'm sitting in a bank, wasting away. I want to see if I can write a book. And then that book led to another book, led to another book. And while the faucet's on, it's great. But if you turn the faucet off, it is very hard to kick it back up. Yeah. How, how much time do we have, by the way? Uh, I typically cut them off at about an hour. I thought about possibly reading you a short passage in my book to see what you thought. Do it. Okay. Bring it up. Frank Blackstock is a chaser of truth, conspiracy theorist. Now, uh, let me give you some setting real quick before I actually get into it. So my character's name is Donald Conklin. That's the protagonist. He, uh... He's a very quiet guy. A lot of this is inner monologue throughout the book. Um, Like, Like the Wonder Years? Sure. Um, except our, my protagonist is definitely an anti-hero. Um, and, uh, he's, my goal in writing this book is to create the worst human being possible. And by the end of the book, you be, you're still rooting for him. You're rooting for him. You know? So anyhow, it's like Dexter. He, correct. And this guy, he works, um, oh, you know, I just watched Dexter for the first time. I'm aware of Dexter. I haven't seen it, but I know enough about it to be able to make that comment. And and I've also watched another uh, that show you. On I've heard that's good too. That that show you reminded me very much of my book, and I was just like, huh, this this is like my book. Yeah, but that's that that'll happen to you. It's I know. don't even worry about it. All right. So he works in a cubicle setting. He works for a company called RMA, and they um, manufacture shoe inserts. And my character works like for the complaint department and they are a green company who recycles cork and tire to make shoe inserts. Okay. Cool. So anyway, so he hates his job. Um, Fair enough. For, uh, and right now we are, um, we are character building. Uh, I'm going through the, the demo, the demographics of the office. So Frank Blackstock is a chaser of truth, conspiracy theorist, and RMA's customer relations specialist. He's a thin, stubbly man with a type A personality and unhealthy caffeine addiction. His tremors are such that it's difficult to decide whether he's detoxing or overdosing. <laughs> um, <laughs> the coffee DTs. Right. Aside from his jitteriness and irritability, Blackstock wears a stained up, skin-toned bathrobe over top his button-down dress shirt. He keeps a fresh pack of Mavericks in the side pocket, taking frequent trips to the bathroom to chain smoke. Aside from the cigarettes, Frank is also the voluminist. He hoards matchboxes. Okay. And that is actually the next line to let the reader know what that means. Um, Though hidden by a cubicle wall, you can always hear him as he chews on the matches like toothpicks. I figure he has some sort of oral fixation, which would also make sense seeing how often he leaves to smoke. His robe is used in lieu of a proper smoking jacket. Reeks of stale cigarette smoke. You can always smell Frank when he walks in the building. I've overheard employees jokingly calling him Pew Hefner. 
<laughs> he only takes off his smelly, uh, tarnished robe when Richards gets in, which is a little before noon. So Richard is the boss. Okay. That's that's probably good for now. So just a quick little paragraph. Cause I, I'm picturing uh, the dude and Andy from the office. It's very office-y. Um, okay. But but it, it's a dark book for okay, sure. Cool. It, it, gets, it gets really dark. And there's this thing that happens in the book that it's never said, but it's implied. And you wonder, did the protagonist do it? So at the end of the book, you really don't know. Yeah. You, you, I mean, it's almost all but confirmed, but it's never said, but he is accused of it. He denies it, but, um, he did it. And was, was there a spark for this book? Man. I, yeah. I was, when I was working in the fire department and I was just very pessimistic and, uh, you know, I was just looking at, at, at I wasn't looking at the world with rose colored glasses. Let's just say that. So. <laughs> I, I was, I was salty about everything, and um, I, I just needed to put it somewhere. Yeah. So I put it in a character. I think when I was working at the bank, you sent me a very short passage, and it had to do with uh, it, was, it was, it was a fire department, but it, uh, it, it might have been the very beginning of the book or something. I felt like there was a character at the fire department, or would that have been this book, or maybe something else you were working on, or oh yeah, well it's quite possible. Um, I don't have that anymore. If that's the case, um, I did consider writing a book about a person in the fire department. Okay. Um, was a guy named Willie Adams. He was a well. It was also going to be about my lieutenant who passed away. Oh. And uh, it was, I, they were polar opposites working together. Yeah. The one guy was a very by the book. You get up, you brush your teeth, you, you know, you you shower daily, you go to bed by eight thirty. Yeah. And the other guy was like smoking crack and like wow. banging, you know, prostitutes like they and and they were best friends. And it was just and Willie would always say to him, like he would always say to my lieutenant, he would go, um, he would say, when I retire, you're going to die. And, <laughs> and he, he would say the craziest stuff to this guy and they would laugh and joke. But it, it ended up being true, which was really sad. Um but uh, they were inseparable, but they picked on each other and it was just, it was wild to see. I remember I walked in the fire department one time and my, I, I developed cysts in my arms when I was a kid. Really? Yeah. It, and huh. I've had like seven surgeries. It, it's Are they big. It, the first one was huge. Wow. And that's why they can be kind of alarming. Like, what is that? I woke up one day and it was there kind of like what we were talking about with my dog earlier. Yeah pre-podcast yeah um i'm probably up, thinking like something terrible's happening uh I, I i was five years old i woke oh. up and i just had this huge lump in my chest immediate surgery the doctor was like there's no way i got it all it's gonna come back seven surgeries later um i'm not uh, i think my oh, i was 19 at my last one well my arm started to hurt again and i was thinking i I'm, I, I think it's coming back I think like, I know the feeling I've yeah. had, I've had seven of them. Right. Well, Willie says to me, Josh, I'm telling you right now, say you pulled your arm on the stretcher, you'll get some money and you get paid, you know, time off. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, and, um, that's obviously illegal right. and wrong. Right. Well, but people do it, Yeah, you know, and, uh, and Willie's telling me that. And, 
and I had mentioned it. I, I had said to another firefighter in the house, like, man, Willie says I should do that. I mean, maybe I will. I don't know. Well, I didn't. I, I went off faithfully. I went off honestly. And I, and I said, you know, it's not line of duty. I, I believe one of my sisters coming back. Okay. So they gave me off without pay. Okay. And, uh, which would be a tough decision to make because you got bills to pay. Correct. Yeah. Um, so I did the right thing. And uh, I remember I walked in to my firehouse. My shift is working. Willie's on one. This is how poetic this is. Not only are they polar opposites. I walk in. Willie is on one side of the table and at the head. And at the other head is my lieutenant. Okay. And my lieutenant says to me, he says, Josh, I heard you were considering going off line of duty for a non-line of duty injury. And I said, but I didn't. And he said, it doesn't matter. You shouldn't even consider it. He said, that's wrong. You could get fired if that was found out. And, um, and I said, well, Lou, I'm sorry. I mean, I, mean, I, I didn't. I went off faithfully. And he says, well, I'm just telling you, you know, don't, don't even consider it again. And I said, I, I won't, sir, you know. Right, right. <laughs> and, and, and Willie, immediately after him, immediately after him, Willie goes, and let me tell you something. Next time you say you pulled your arm on that damn stretcher. <laughs> and, and Larry goes, Larry, my lieutenant, he says, Will, I'm trying to teach the boy something. And Willie goes, so am I. And I'm just like being pulled by, you know, right. both arms. Like they were so opposite. But it was, it was a beautiful thing to see because it was just like I did consider writing a book about that. I felt like that's what I remembered. But anyway – Let's talk about uh, what you're currently working on, which is Emilio. Uh-huh. Uh, where did this puppet idea come from, and what's the, the overall premise of this this series that you're bringing to the table? Um, I just, I, you know, I have my own YouTube channel, which is Adam Macabre. Um, you can find it by going to Adam Macabre. You can type in puppet horror. Um, but I don't know. I, I'm, I'm big into YouTube. I like listening to other people. I decided to kind of express myself through another way, and... Um, I have a couple different series on there, but the, the new endeavor right now is puppet horror and it's probably my favorite of all the series. It's definitely not the most popular, but it is my favorite. And, um, are you doing all the editing and research? For I this? do it all. I do it all. Which Cause is it's pain. really well done, man. Uh, I, I, well, like I said, I, right now what I do for work is that I actually edit video for people and, um, I was going to recommend that. Yeah, if if you if you need video work, I'm telling. Look, I'm not I'm not um, I'm not conceited or confident about anything unless it's video editing. Yeah, I really think I'm incredible at it because, and the reason why I got good man is from being in bands, filming music videos, and getting a product back and going. Why did they edit it like that? Yeah, you know, there's like I could do so much better. So, and I did. And I ended up like just getting really good at it. Now, now I edit for, um, I've been editing, uh, right now I'm editing an, another music video for dog fashion disco. Okay, cool. Um, I just dropped a, a video. Uh, well the artist dropped it, but I edited a video for this guy, Damien rain, who was frog on the wire. And, um, he's a rapper. He's a good friend. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I edited his video. Um, but yeah, I just been, I edit all of pink elephants videos. Um, I've been animating. Um, yeah, you did that one video that was an animation. Uh, foolish. 
Uh, I don't know. It was like a was cartoon. It pink yeah, it was pink elephants, it and was, it was like kind of like a hand drawn, right? It was foolish. Yeah. How did you How did you do that? It's a program called Open Tunes. It's what they use to like make cartoons. I okay. Mean, there's a bunch of big movies that like um uh, uh, movie was I can't even think of them all, but there were definitely like a lot of movies that were huge motion pictures that were filmed uh, or I'm sorry, created with open tunes. Open tunes is a free program. It's free. You can get it on your, your computer and writing that down, bro, just watch a few tutorials and I'm telling you, you'll be editing in no time. Okay. You'll be animating. I did want to talk a little bit more about pink elephants, but before I do, there was one little thing I wanted to kind of toss in there. You were commissioned recently to help design a pair of Italian shoes. Yeah. Uh, the, it's the killer queen line. Yeah. How did this come about? Because this is a cool story too. So interest. So there's a shoe company um, called Alive Shoes, I believe they're called. Um, if I'm mistaken, um, nobody would be mad, but I'm pretty sure they're called Alive Shoes. Okay. And it was a company that a friend of mine named Elizabeth, she's she's a, a friend. She's part of the Elefam, which the Elefam is the group of dedicated followers to the pink elephants. And they usually get Ella names. This individual, her name is Ella Murph. And she, um, she, so would I be like Ella Cox? You de- most definitely would be Ella right, Cox. I, I want to be Ella Cox. You, I'm, you, I'm adding that to my middle name on you Facebook. Totally Ella Cox. <laughs> um, well, she, um, she looked into a company which ended up being a live shoes and this company allows you to design your own shoes okay and they sell them and the company is i'm not sure if they're italian based they they must be but or they're just products made in in italy but yeah she she designed a shoe with them they she partnered with them and um she actually designed the shoe. I just designed the um, – I helped her with the um, logo. Okay. So she actually had a logo ahead of time, um, and it was pretty similar to what is there now. But I just – I added my own, like, some little details to it. Yeah. I, I made sh- – it was I, – I knew it could be a little better. So um, she initially commissioned me to just do the text like a circle text around mm-hmm. the logo. And I said to her, I said, you know, I did the text, but um, I- I'm telling you, I-, I think I could do a really better job on this main image if you'll allow me to. And she did. She paid me to do it. And 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 um, it was great. Uh, super pumped about it. I love uh, my, it was a bucket list of mine. I've always, it's really cool, man. Uh, I've always wanted a pair of Italian shoes and um, you know, the price of these shoes, I want to say they're around 200 bucks, which is way, cheap for Italian leather. I mean, if, if you know anything about Italian shoes, they, they go for so much money. Yeah. So the fact that the shoe's made in Italy and, and you can get it for, you know, the price of Nikes, I mean, that's a good deal. We we haven't even got to really, I mean, we got a little bit into Pink Elephants, but not a lot. Um, where did the name come from? <sighs> so, <laughs> I... That look, it tells me that there's a story with a woman is. who shot herself on the couch. Oh, there's a story. So we were getting together every day, just writing music. We didn't have a band name yet. We just knew that we needed to rebrand. Right. 
Um, especially because Derv wasn't going to be in the band anymore. Like, it was just going to be hip-hop or pop, right? And if you don't mind me, like, interrupting real quick, there's also Sammy is in the band as well, right? Or... Well, he's more of, like, an auxiliary okay. member. Um, I, I, didn't, you, I didn't include him in the intro because I wasn't sure, but... Yeah, no, he's, he's like, an auxiliary member. Gotcha. Um, right. Well, Sammy was, was there, though, and um, they came over. It was early in the morning. It was, like, 11. It was, like, 11 a.m. That's early for us. And uh, we were like, let's spend the day writing. Well, for some reason, I didn't sleep the night before. Um, and I was like, man, you know, I'm going to be tired. Um, I had recently acquired LSD. Now, don't do this, anybody. I'm not promoting this. This this was a few years ago anyway. But um, <laughs> I took it. Okay. Thinking it would keep me up, which it definitely did. Uh, um, but I had never done it before. And in, in your life, this is the first time first dropping time. LSD. No, nope, okay. first time. And um, they knock on my door, and I am three sheets. I am out of it. I am seeing shit. My bed was breathing. Like, oh, oh no! It was freaking me out. And yeah. and they knock on the door, and I open it, and I just went, "I'm tripping balls." And they're like, "What?" And I'm like. I'm, I'm tripping balls. And they're like, what, how? And I'm like, I, I, I had, you know, acid. It's right here, this it. white blotter acid right on my desk. Right, right. And, and there, and Fitch was like, why? And I'm like, I, bro, I, I didn't sleep. I don't know. I just took it. I thought it'd be a good idea. Creative stuff, you know? And he's, <laughs> and, and he was like, and, and they got really excited and they went, bro, you are going live. <laughs> you got to see something. And, and, and cause they, they, they've done it before. Right. And they, they knew it was my first time. So they wanted, to show me things that they've experienced, they pulled up Dumbo and they pulled up that part where pink elephants are like where Dumbo gets drunk and he sees all the pink elephants marching. Okay. And I'm just watching it, seeing the pink elephants on parade. And I'm just looking at it. And, and Sammy goes, look at the pink elephants, bro. Look at the pink elephants. And I just went, what an incredible man name. And like, it was like this moment. And we were like, from there on out, it was pink elephants. Now, Never did it ever since then, um, and I have no intention on doing it. I do not condone the use of drugs. So I kind of had a really bad experience with PCP in high school. Yeah, I've never done that. Well, I didn't mean to do it. It was basically it was just some some pot that was laced with oh, PCP. Laced yeah. And my buddy <laughs> came down the stairs. He was like, "You want to do some drugs?" And uh-huh. you know, you're 18 years old. I was yeah, like, "Of sure. course, I want to do some drugs." Right. So we go into the garage, and he gives me this uh, this water bong, and I just take the biggest hit that oh. you could take. And he's like, "Dude, you don't want to take that with what you're what we're doing." And I just always smoke. You weed. just thought you were smoking pot. Yeah. Wow. And like five minutes later, maybe not even five minutes later, I'm like ripping my clothes off. <laughs> I, I look like uh, what's his name from Fear and Loathing. I'm hiding behind the car. Oh taking... man! Oh man! It was terrifying. So and I I was convinced Checking through the blinds. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. So I'm, I'm convinced that I'm going to be stuck like this. Because I didn't know what was happening. Right. I just thought I smoked some pot. But like I was like seeing tracers, my hand across my face. I'd see wow. like a thousand of them. Luckily, it was it must not have been enough. Uh, two hours. I, I was able to go to sleep somehow. Right. Slept for two hours, woke up, and like it never happened. Wow. But yeah. Yeah, I've never done that. That's, well, that's I mean, sure. I wouldn't recommend it. Pink Elephants, we're still going strong. We got a new album we're working on, bro. We, we got we got a mixtape and we got an album. Okay. They're already recorded, both of them. The only thing we got to do is redo some vocals. You're not sleeping. Um, <laughs> we, uh, I, yes and no. 
Um, but the album, we have over 30 songs and we got to pick. So let me ask you this real quick. Uh, do, do you record and produce your own songs? We got a whole studio. We, okay. We built a studio, man. But I was curious about it. that because I was telling Lisa, like, if I had the gear, I would probably do the same thing. But the problem is the reason I don't buy the gear is I don't know how to use it. Well, Finch is really good at it. Is he good at he's it? He's good at engineering. So he's the engineer. Okay. You know, I usually just – So your only limitation is really getting together and doing it. Correct. We have everything. Yeah. So I – we got a vocal booth. Vocal booth is super dope. Um, I'm usually the guy that's pacing back and forth while he's sitting on the computer, and I go, bro, what if, you know, we had like a, <laughs> I'm that guy. And it's in the song. And it's in the song, right? So, but he does all the the manual labor on that part. But, um, you know. You were one of the bands, though, that I followed. I really took notice because you guys were doing Facebook stream lives every single night, like you said earlier in the podcast. And they were always good. And it seemed to me, like, how are you learning all this material to do this every single night? You would, like, learn these songs on the uke. You pull that out out of nowhere and you're playing, like, I don't know what it was, Stairway to Heaven or whatever, right. on the ukulele. Right. It's like, when did he learn that? I'm just reading the tabs, right? okay. you know, and just going along with it. So it's nothing. It's nothing. But impressive. it is cool. And that definitely helped build the LO fam. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because yeah, because you were the only band doing it and doing it prolifically and consistently. Yeah. 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 Um. We've always done like the couch tours we talked about earlier, yeah. you know. Was that more of an LFM thing or well, was that more uh, th of a gosh thing? That was a me gosh thing. Okay. And um I'm sorry, me gosh. Yeah, and we would um we would basically how that sprung into action was we weren't touring. We wanted to tour, we weren't getting tours. Agents are really hard to get. We did one tour and we had that itch and we were like, What do we do? And we we're like, you know what? If nobody will take us on tour, we'll do our own tour. So we ended up and we had the fans, we had the people who wanted to see us. So we said, Hey, we're going to come to your house. We're going to play for you. You live in, you know, we're going to come to bumfuck. So we did. Um, we, um, man, we've played places that we would have never have been, yeah. you know? And it, it was really cool because the people got to show us something that you would never see. I mean, I remember we played Wyoming. We get there and I, and these, we did webisodes. These episodes are online. You can see this. Yeah. You can see this episode. We we get there and we hear gunshots and we're like, uh, are we at the right place? And we were. The guy comes outside and, and he's like, hey, man. And we're like, hey, we're me, gosh. And he's like, oh, cool. Come on in. We got elk steaks. My dad just killed an elk the other day and, and we're cooking the steaks and um, we're shooting all the guns outside. Bro, we walked into this trailer. It was a trailer. Walked in. I counted, I, I actually went through, I counted 82 guns. Holy shit. There was a grandma in a wheelchair with a shotgun out back <laughs> shooting a shotgun. Like Naturally. It, it was crazy. I remember Derv, Derv was going, I don't like guns. I don't like guns. And we're like, Derv, just shoot a couple. Come on. And I remember we're like shooting guns and then all of a sudden I just hear this bang right by my ear and I look over and Derv's holding this Colt Python, you know, <laughs> this big magnum. And and I'm just like, oh my God, Derv with the Python. The guy who don't like guns picked the most deadly one. You know, like you you get to see stuff that you, you just wouldn't, you know? Yeah. On a normal tour. And it, it was it was really fun. And you know what? We made a lot of money doing it. Yeah. There's no other bands to compete with your merch. A. You know, we would get a 
we would have we would set a designated price, which wasn't much. It might have been like two hundred bucks. Imagine if if your favorite band, because I believe the Deer Hunter or Coheed, one of those bands did it, and that's what gave us the idea. Yeah, we we're like, imagine if you could have your favorite band come to your house, like for two hundred bucks. That's nothing. You would do it, you know, and that two hundred would cover that the gas, you know to get us to the next place. And by the end of the tour, we actually had a profit and, and it was more than if we would have played venues for a hundred bucks a night, you know, on a tour with a big band. I, I kind of feel like the way you're doing it is the way to do it now, even though yeah. it was kind of out of necessity. I feel like it's almost a, an old mentality. Like, okay, we're going to write our record. Now we're going to go play some local shows. Right. I, I just feel like because of the social media era, you have this ability to reach so many people in so many different States and doing the the live streams every single night, like that's really that's modern marketing. That's modern music. Yep, it is. You're absolutely right. So you, you got a new song out. It's called "We Are the Universe." Yeah, very catchy. Um, philosophical question. We won't get too deep, but are we all tiny pieces of what started the universe? Are we all this tiny little god particles? Man, you know I. I know nobody knows, but I mean. We feel like we've been here for like, what, uh, you know, 30, 40 years, but it's like whatever makes you, you has been around since the very beginning too, right? You're of that. I'm probably more of a nihilist when it comes to this. I mean, I really think that our existence in the broader scheme of things is nothing compared to what's probably out there. Yeah. You know, like we are, we are our universe, our galaxy is like a molecule under fingernail, the is. fingernail of a giant or something right. like, and our problems are ridiculous. I know. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm very excited to see what the James Webb telescope reveals that just went up recently and, uh, which is going to be featured on puppet horror coming soon. So do you mind if I tackle on we are the universe at the end of the episode? Go ahead. The thing that I was telling you that you probably don't know is I am in a, and I have been in for the past five years, another band that has yet to announce. And we are getting very close to announcing. And it is a super group, Dog Fashion Disco, Nothing Face. Oh, and, this is going to be awesome. And Migash. So um, we're called In the Blind. And uh, so announcing it here, winner podcast. Um, oh, wow. S- Steve Wright. Um, is currently mixing the album. The album's done. It's recorded. It's being mixed, and it's it, it bangs, man. It's like it's like the refused. Um, I don't know. It's 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 metal punk. It's got some pop. It it's it's proggy. I mean, Jason's one guitar. It's definitely proggy. DFD is a very talented group, and they've been around for a long time. And, yep, and and all their music videos are edited by your Shirley. So All right. They got one called um, The Grand Experiment, I believe it's called. Grand Experiment. That was the first music video I edited of them. They got a new one out that you got to go watch. It's called Black Omens. Okay. Super funny. Todd the singer is like possessed and he's wearing like a nightgown like The Exorcist. Okay. And, and I edited that. Uh, is there a green pea soup vomit? There is. Yes. And, um, and uh, not a whole bunch, but there is. And um, I... Uh, I'm currently, last night, I went to bed around 3 a.m. because I was working on a lyric video for them. So this is the first lyric video that I've done for Dog Fashion, which drops, I believe, the 25th. But, man, I'm excited for the future. I'm excited for In the Blind. I'm excited for Pink Elephant's 
new album, and I'm excited to see what Emilio does. Yes, so, I am too. That's pretty much the... We've covered it, man. Yeah. We did it. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show, Josh Matthew. Uh, everybody stick around, and we're going to check out We Are the Universe by Pink Elephants. Yes. And uh, thanks again, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is great. Swallows a